0: is your working life a podcast that provides you with tools inspiration and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life i'm caroline dowd higgins i'm a speaker and a career and executive coach and today i welcome kelly palmer to the show kelly's going to talk about the changing world of work and how the talent pool must be qualified and credentialed for success in this new normal kelly welcome to the show
1: thanks so much it's so great to be here today
0: you know i'm really excited to dive into this as someone on the career coaching side uh, i certainly am in the trenches with talent and i'd love for you to help our global audience understand the current career world and how it's really different from previous generations
1: Uh, that's a great question and i i would say that um the world of uh, work has been changing so dramatically over the past uh I'd say decade or so. And one of the I guess one of the biggest, most obvious changes is that I don't feel that there's any longer a career ladder. You know, we're really working with more of a of a lax model. And you've probably heard that and your l- listeners have probably heard that before. But the implications of that um maybe haven't been explored as much. And and one of the implications of that is just this need to c- continuously build skills and be learning all the time and realize that whatever formal education you got isn't going to necessarily sustain you for the entirety of your careers anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I'm so glad you mentioned the lattice model. It's certainly been around for a while, but I think it's getting renewed attention and and very importantly because our careers just aren't linear and um, I'm based at a university and I see you know thousands of students every year mint degrees and I just know as soon as they walk out into the real world those degrees and those credentials will serve them well but it's not the end it's really just the beginning so how do organizations really lead the way and in learning and help close that skills gap for both the employees that they have and the future talent
1: so what we're seeing um now is, is that this real this big push to really um, give employees the power to kind of think about their own career and where they want to go and how they want to learn about that. Um, it, the old model was is that a, a central organization would try to figure out what, what employees needed. And oftentimes it was really based on maybe managers and leaders and high-performing employees, but that left about 80% of the workforce kind of on their own and I don't know that everyone always took it you know took it upon themselves to to really drive their own learning and career aspirations, but we did some research recently, and what we found was is that people were actually spending their own time and their own money to learn what they needed to learn, and part of that is just through technology and the abundance of learning that's out there and that's available and and also this worry that um, people don't feel that they have the skills that they need uh, for the future workplace. And that's not, that's true not just for individuals, but also we're seeing an re- emphasis for CEOs who are realizing that and worrying that their employees don't have the skills that the company needs to survive moving forward. So this idea that we'll, we're going to turn this around and actually empower employees to be continuously learning all the time um, is is uh, very powerful now and a very powerful uh, model that some of the most successful companies are, are driving.
0: You know, it's interesting from the employer perspective, the hiring managers, I'm seeing uh, an eagerness in the employer looking for candidates that they're trying to identify those lifelong learners, right? Those that have that innate curiosity and that interest in continuous development. Is that something that you've recognized as well?
1: Absolutely. And in fact, and we write about this in the book, um, we often get asked you know what are what are the most important skills that people will need for for the future and of course you can identify some of those now but the reality is is that um with um acceleration and digitization and automation really um really being at the forefront of what's happening in the workforce things are are changing and moving so quickly these days it's hard uh, to keep up so what what i always say That the most important skill that anyone can have moving forward is learning agility and that that is the ability to continuously learn and be curious and learn things and I also stress to hiring managers that that should be top of mind when they're interviewing candidates, they should be asking um, potential employees you know, what did you learn last week? What did you learn last month? What did you learn last year? And you'd be surprised at how much you can learn about someone by asking those simple questions. A continuous lifelong learner will be able to rattle off a lot of things that they've been uh, focusing on in the last uh, years. And those are the most, probably the most valuable employees that you can find moving forward.
0: Kelly, I'm so thrilled to hear you talk about the shift between an emphasis on credentials to skills. So let me ask you this: I'm I'm trying to put myself in the uh, the seat of those listening. Should the 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 person of the employee be asking for this training? Should the employer be saying Jane Doe, John Smith, you know, here's what you need, or is it a combined effort? Because it it takes time and money and effort. And you said some people are seeking it out on their own. So what do you see as the new trend?
1: I see the new trend as being a combination of those things, but in a in a very nuanced way. And let me give you an exam, a couple of examples. So, um, for example, at, at Microsoft, Microsoft is a company that's been around for for years and kind of known for a certain culture. And they have a, a relatively new CEO Satya Nadella, who's been working extensively with uh, Carol Dweck, who wrote Mindset. And it's kind of interesting that a CEO would be working with a with a world-renowned psychologist on on motivation and mindset to change the culture at Microsoft. And, and bottom line with that is, is that he has now a mantra at his company called, you know, that that where he says, we want actually people who are learn it-alls, not know-it-alls. Ah. So yeah, isn't that I, I love that. And what's so powerful about that is that. In the past, I don't believe, especially when you get to um, s- some of the leadership roles, where it's expected that you should know everything. That you know, people feel vulnerable in learning or saying that they don't know something. And so, having the CEO and business leaders give people, even at the executive ranks, at the leadership ranks to say you know I I don't know everything and I, I I need to everyone needs to learn something kind of sets the tone at the top of what kind of culture um, you should be having so I think that that's one one great example and then in on the employee side that gives employees permission to say oh i should be learning all the time and and new technologies are emerging that allow people to learn from a variety of of resources degree being one of them but this idea that we can broaden our definition of what learning actually is it's not just an online compliance course or or a training a classroom training that companies send their employees to Learning is what you do every day, including listening to this podcast, Uh um, uh, reading a book, uh, reading an article, watching a video, um, attending an event. All of those things um, actually combined help you build skills. And so if you can imagine putting those in a portfolio where you can say – I just spent the last year doing all of these things to learn the skill of um, uh, data analytics or data science. And then you can actually say, you know, th- I'm learning this new skills from the variety of of sources. Part of that is on your own in your own time. Part of it is company guided and sponsored. But I think that the huge difference here is the is getting rid of the command and control where we're saying we've identified these skills. And so this is what all of our employees must go through these training programs to now learn this skill. That's it's too one size fits all. And, and the mentality is now more around personalized learning. Everyone's on a learning journey in a different part of their, um, um, and, and of their career. So nobody's the same in terms of what they need to learn. So thinking about from that perspective helps, um, helps people learn both from an individual level, but with some guidance from their company.
0: Kelly, it's fascinating, because you talk about you actually create um, a new metric called the skills quotient. So we'll be right back. And after a break, we're going to talk more about SQ. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to learn more about. We want this podcast to serve you in all of your career and life needs. Send me an email at Caroline at Caroline Kelly, you argue that we lack a common language to talk about a standard for skills, and and I love this new concept you proposed of the skills quotient or SQ. Tell us more about that and and how we measure continuous learning and skills development.
1: Yeah, I think with the the urgent need people are seeing um, to really close skills gap at a variety of levels and especially you know the the attention that it's getting from business leaders and CEOs um across the world it's becoming increasingly important that we have a common language that we talk about the skills gap where we the skills that you have versus the skills that you need and and how do you actually measure that and we compare it to um to NP what NPS did for uh, customer service so before there was never a language for people to say you know how well are we doing in treating our customers and would your customers recommend your company um, and and NPS became that metric sq is a similar thing but for uh, for skills and and now if you have a way to talk about both at the individual level and at the company level, what skills people have and what skills they need. And you can actually talk about that at the CEO level or at the individual level. So if I give you an example, say you do a skills quotient on yourself to understand what skills do I actually have. And then I think about the role that I currently have or the role that I want in the future and identify those skills that I need, I can calculate a skills quotient and then actually see where my are. So it can be a very powerful individual tool um, for people to think about owning their own career and really reflecting on what their, their skills are and what they need. But it, can, but it can also be at the company level, say a company is has identified data science as being a critical skill for their company moving forward, they can actually um, do calculations to figure out how many people in our company have those skills. How many um, people do we think will need those skills over the next, you know, two to three years and actually have, calculate that and have a skills quotient number that they can um, put programs together that will actually move the needle on that score for skills quotient? So that's the basic idea about it. And if you want to know more about it, so you can read more about it in the book. But this idea that we can have a common language around the skills gap and how we can close that is really the intention behind SQ.
0: I love that, Kelly, and and I just lit up when you said people can own their own careers, and and as a coach, that is just, you're singing my song, right? And for decades, we've had this linear approach to career, right? For example, you you study law, you become a lawyer, and it's beautifully unpredictable now, and as you said, that lattice model, and it really has, I believe, changed what we look at uh, at as defining a conventional career path because i think there is none uh' it, it's beautifully um, circuitous but my question is are organizations getting this or are they still looking for talent based on very particular degrees or areas of study how do we bridge that gap
1: i, I think that um, managers hiring managers are the linchpin in this in this changing dynamic and what we are seeing is, is that – and one of the reasons that we wrote the book was that we are seeing – we're working with a lot of forward-thinking companies who are thinking about how to change this paradigm in the world of work. So I'll give you another example. We're working with uh, with eBay, and they're using they're, – they're all about career development. They've completely separated um, learning and skill building from performance management. Which I think is a great thing, because if we think about the science of motivation, um, you really want people to feel like they have some control and ownership over over their learning and what they're doing. So they really and I think framing it in career development, you know, how do I how do I get better at the job that I have or how do I think about my future career? um that's how they frame it and they get people to think about you know what 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 do you want to do in the future then they then they actually use degree to help people be, learn and build the skills that they need but then the next step is i think really really important this idea of an internal career marketplace yeah. where they can actually help people Uh, Take the skills that they've learned and either put them on a temporary project, say, for 20 percent of their time, or actually list jobs where they can actually say, I've built these new skills and now I'm ready for a new challenge and a new opportunity. And think of what a competitive advantage that is uh, when you can actually keep your employees growing learning and challenge within your company because we know that if you're not people people will look for new opportunities outside of the company. So part of it is to to answer your question I think that there are some companies who are leading the way in thinking differently about learning. We still have a long way to go, but I think people realize something has to change now that that we can't keep using the same outdated models that we've been using that have been proven not to be very effective. So what, but, but what's next? So, so kind of what we outline in the book is, is how you can get to this new model and think differently.
0: Loved hearing about eBay and of course they're amazingly progressive and, huge company, right? So they're impacting a very large talent pool. What about universities, right? I'm thinking of the feeder system, you know, that's uh, putting great talent out into the world of work. And it's not just those young 20 something new professionals, right? There are non-traditional students who go back and uh, seek out degrees. Is there a shift there?
1: I would say there is a shift there. One of the things we write about in the book is just um, around medical school that there there's a case study where where medical schools are actually rethinking how they how they teach medical students. And instead, it used to be very heavily lecture based for the first several years before they got into residency and actually putting putting some of their knowledge into practice and deciding, you know, this model really isn't very effective. We're going to start. More um, practice on on the job early on, and then the other example I can give you is um University of Oregon. My son actually graduated from University of Oregon in their public relations program there, and they've got an excellent model for seniors in their in their last year of study where they actually partner with a real company doing a real project. And then they actually present a portfolio of their work at the end of the year, not just to PR professors, but to PR uh, professionals, to give them feedback about their work. They're put into to a high pressure presentation situation, and they get some some idea of what it's like to be in the in in the real world of work, where. I- a lot of universities, too, have been much more theoretical and people graduate and they're wondering, okay, now what? Now what do I do and how do my skills actually apply to the world of work? So this idea that we need to bridge the gap between what universities are teaching and what and what the workforce uh, actually needs or what companies actually really need – we're seeing pockets of, of of partnerships where that's actually starting to take place. But I still think we've, you know, we've got a long way to go. But again, there are some excellent examples of, of companies and universities that are partnering
0: to do that. Excellent. That's really good to hear. So, Kelly, as we wrap up, I, I'd like you to... Um... Put yourself in the in the headspace of the CEO or the business leader of an organization or even of a team, right, in a company. And how can those listening in those roles really create an environment where their employees are always learning? And and perhaps even for the small company who might not have the depth of financial resources?
1: Well the good the good news is is that it's it's becoming less and less important that you've got a lot of funding to go uh, along with uh, this continuous learning model, because if you think about uh, the um, the amount of content, learning content that's out there and available now, right now you can learn almost any topic from any device, anywhere in the world, almost at low low cost, or uh, oftentimes. Free. I mean, think about TED talks and YouTube videos. Think about how people really learn every day, and so that's the good news. Even if you are a small group or a small company, you can actually help people get the learning that they need. And the newest, the newest um, trend over the last few years is curating content, right? Because there is so much learning content out there. How do you make sense of it all? So we're seeing a lot of people curate content to say, "Oh, you." Learn a skill, listen to this podcast, read this article, read this section of a book or this whole book, go to this event. And then you've got a pathway of content that will allow you to actually uh, learn new skills. And I think that that is a great way for, um, for companies and, and even, even smaller groups or team leaders to start uh, thinking about it. The other, uh, Another small way to start is, um, is around uh, book clubs, you know, looking right. at, I, I, it sounds like an old idea, new again, but I think it can be very powerful to, um, to start virtual book clubs where you can use technology like video collaboration tools to get people to get have discussions around books or real business problems that they're having and make learning be part of something that's in the flow of work than something that you go outside of your work to do and then hope that people apply what they learned back on the job. You can make it more of, you know, carve out parts of your day for learning at work, and that can really be powerful.
0: Kelly Palmer, you are inspiring. Thank you for joining me today on Your Working Life. I'm so grateful to have the chance to speak with you about the changing world of work and how it impacts the professionals who work in it. Let me tell everybody about your book, co-written by your phenomenal co-author, David Blake, and it's called The Expertise Economy, How the Smartest Companies Use Learning to Engage, Compete, and succeed and of course it's available on amazon and major book retailers kelly thanks so much i learned a lot today and i'm really grateful
1: thank you so much it's been a pleasure talking with you today
0: take good care and hey if you like the show subscribe on itunes or soundcloud and even better leave us a review because that helps people find us online and Let us know what career-minded issues you want for us to discuss on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And I want to give a special shout-out to my extraordinary Your Working Life colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for your expert work. You make this show awesome for our audience, and I am truly grateful. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening.